Well, welcome to Whitewater. My name is David Vaughn. Welcome to those of you watching online. Today, I'm going to go where preachers dare not go. Before I do that, let me tell you what happened last week. It was so cool. Uh, Chris Bouet and I and our staff decided to go back and volunteer to serve in Harbortown last week at the nine o'clock service because they were in need of some servers there. So we went back there. It was so cool, y'all. I'm just telling you, I have three new BFFs. And one of those little girls that was back there, her name was Jolene. Jolene. Oh, we're tight. And I just bonded with Jolene. I said, Jolene, did you know that there is a country music song with your name in it? No. I said, let me sing it to you. Jolene. It was Dolly Parton. It's really good. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I was singing it. About the time that Megan uh, on our Harbortown staff walked by to hear me see what is happening in this room. You're supposed to be singing about Jesus, and you're singing about Jolene. I said, well, her name's Jolene. Oh, it's great. Oh, so we, I mean, we're tight now. And now I also realize, after working in Harbortown, what happens when the preacher goes long and the kids are ready to go home. <laughs> so Tizovich was serving in the last service in the nursery. I preached an hour last week, just uh, last, last service, just to do that. Just, just to, like, let, you know, yeah. So... Whether we preach long or short, I'm going to go where no preacher has gone before, at least in a while. I have in the past talked about controversial things. I have in the past uh, delved into some areas that are really prickly, and I'm going to do that today. The four-part series we launched today has been brewing for months. My unstated goal, and now I'll just state it, my goal is to make everybody mad. That's it. Kind of playing. But no, I, I really, I, I will probably get uh, more emails uh, in this series. We will than any other. Actually, my goal is to make you uncomfortable in a good way, but hopefully better because of Jesus. Our series is entitled Talking Points, Choosing Relationships Over Politics. <laughs> I told you I'm going in deep. It's the perfect series to build on our last one of how to be a good neighbor. And at first, I got to tell you, honestly, I was dreading it because I didn't want to deal with the feedback and the pushback and the blowback. But now I'm actually looking forward to our little conversations over the next four weeks. And that's what I want you to approach it as. Can we just talk? Can we talk? Especially at this time in the life of our country, our nation, I'm actually thrilled. I'm honored to get to speak into this. I think I can give you something today, and we will give you something in the next four weeks that will actually help you talk in reasonable ways about profound subjects. And I actually don't want to be the only one talking in this month. I want you to talk. I don't want you to argue. I want you to talk to some people that maybe for a while you've only been talking over. In fact, I believe we have a time in our culture where the art of listening has never been more important. Have you noticed that we just talk over each other right now, no matter where they are? Nobody's listening. We're shouting in person. We're shouting online. But friend, there's got to be a way to make a point without making an enemy. There's got to be a way to make a point without making an enemy. This is what I hope to give you uh, in, in this series right here. I'm hoping to have you build relationships and not enemies through that. So David, I will get this every time. Aren't you concerned about like this separation of church and state. Not really. What I'm more concerned about is the separation of church and hate. 
Because a lot of us, unbeknowingly, have succumbed to this deception of the enemy to look at our brother in Christ as an enemy and not a brother and sister and friend. We become overnight hate or hating and haters. Some of the best thinking on this subject is from a pastor down in Atlanta named Andy Stanley. I borrowed some content from him. I love listening to him. When I first heard him teach about this earlier, I said, oh, I need to hear that. Oh, Whitewater needs to hear this. Actually, Andy was so good that I actually considered just playing the videos of Andy Stanley. I said, that'll just be so good. But I realized after some good advice from others that there are some things that I need to add to his voice because I want to share my voice and my heart too. So if there's anything that you like that I'm going to say today, that's my part. If there's something that you don't like, you can email Andy Stanley at North Point. I'll give you his address. As a result of this, I have a few more notes than normal uh, because I'm confident that this message will be parsed. It'll be shared in coming days. In fact, I'm praying it will because I have come to the place. I, I thought I'd seen it all. I've become so painfully aware of the diversity of political views in our church right now. And just let me kind of go back with you a little bit in history. I guess it all started, it's probably already there under the level, but it really started brewing the Sunday after the last presidential election back in 2016. Can you go back in time with me? Remember where you were after the election then? Uh, wouldn't it be so nice? Oh, wouldn't we just love to go back to pre-COVID times? But go back uh, with me. The Sunday after the 2016 election, which meant churches in primarily Republican counties, oh, they were praising Jesus. They were singing so loud on that particular Sunday. Their candidate won. They were probably speaking in tongues. They were all excited about it. But then there were a whole other group of churches that were primarily filled with non-Republicans, and they probably didn't even sing that day in their church. They didn't have anything to be rejoicing about. For them, it was sad. In fact, everybody was in shock and awe on both sides of the political spectrum. Democrats were scared. And if the Democrats win this year, the Republicans will likely be scared. And no doubt we will see this year's election in a totally different way. Why is that? Because nothing divides like politics and nothing divides like fear. Nothing divides like politics and nothing divides like fear. And as you know, you can raise a lot of money when you're peddling fear. See if you don't notice it. Oh, the Republicans are going to take away your health care. The Democrats are going to take away your guns. Send $25, $500. If that lying president is reelected, it'll be the end of the world. If a socialist Democrat is elected, it's the end of the world. Send $25, $500. And here's the one that I fall for every time. This is the most consequential election in American history. I've been voting for decades. Could I tell you that? I hear that every single election. So I'm asking you right now, just for the next few minutes, and for this series in particular, to step away from the fray, the cultural noise, and listen this week, especially to all the political commercial ads, the things that are coming in your mailbox. Listen to it through the lens of fear. And see if you are amazed and maybe amused. Rise above. I'm calling you to rise above the noise right now and think differently. I want to talk to you about how to think. Because if you raise enough fear, you can raise enough money. But here's the question. What exactly do we fear? 
And I'll tell you, I know the answer because the answer is the same for all of us in a macro way. It's this, we fear loss. We fear something that's going to be taken away from us, taken. We fear loss of control, the loss of the future of our children, the loss of our culture, the loss of our freedom, the loss of our values. Older folks in our church especially, we've seen a lot. We fear we have lost the country that we once had. White people, we fear what might happen. Black and brown people, we fear what has already happened. And for many of them, it's not hysterical, it's historical. And it wasn't that long ago. So there's fear for all of us, and if we're not thinking wisely, we will be victims that will succumb to that. And not only will we be victims, what I fear is we'll be something worse, divided. And I hear from both political sides in our church family. I would say my inbox, maybe yours, has been filled um, gosh, the last couple of months with hundreds and hundreds of emails. I am, seem to be fighting fires on more levels than I've ever been as a firefighter for Jesus. And a lot of it is politically oriented and driven. Here's an example, symptomatic and emblematic of the kind of emails I get uh, from a, a great member. David, thank you for delivering God's message. I've been struggling with something for a while. I'm 66 and I still struggle. My biggest struggle today is social media and Facebook. What you said today about cutting off all the media hit home to me. We are led around. It seems like we are in a cult by all parties and our government. I make no bones or apologies about being a progressive Democrat. Some of y'all on the West Side, you didn't know there were progressive Democrats over here, did you? Yes, there are. But I'm not a communist, as some may say, because I'm a Democrat. I consider myself first a Christian, although quite often I do fail my God. I don't fit the stereotype for either Democrat or Republican parties, but the Dems seem to have more of my core values than the Republicans. I do believe in Black Lives Matter, but I don't like looting and burning. I don't like all the racism. I think media has caused a lot of this. I think our president has fanned it, so is Congress on both sides. I cannot in good conscience support a president who does everything Christ spoke about, and I also wonder why most Christians support him. Just pause right there, parenthetically. My Republican friends have emailed me to say that they cannot support a Democrat president or platform that does everything Christ spoke about. Everybody thinks Jesus is on their side. Your message today has convinced me, he writes, that Facebook and media have gotten in the way of my relationship with Christ and made me form opinions I should not have for other Christians and people who disagree with my points of view. It has gotten to a point where I have been disgusted with other Christians at our church, to a point where I don't understand why I feel this way. Remember that phrase. And we'll come back to it later. I don't understand. I've been asking you, I'm asking you to pray for me that I can walk away from Facebook and media hype and just vote what I believe is most Christ-like. Then spend my days helping others to know Christ. I love that. Help people that are in need of a friend and who need help. Sorry this was so long, but I had to get it off my chest. I will be better. Thank you and Whitewater for being there just when I need it most. Friend, I don't know if you know this, but we have the complete political spectrum in our city and in our church. I got to tell you, I love that. There was a day when I was younger, I didn't like that. I didn't like people disagree with me. That, they weren't right. I was. In fact, I would say this, and I, I want to be real careful here. If you're looking for a church, you're watching this online or you're here in the room and you're looking for a church where everybody thinks the same about everything, especially politically, you're not going to be happy here very long. Remember, my goal is to make everybody mad. I think I'm doing pretty good so far. 
It's actually a sign of church health to have this broad spectrum of political parties. I mean, just look at those who follow Jesus. People from all angles on this political continuum. But we have an unprecedented opportunity to model for our city and our church and our nation what it looks like, I'll put it this way, to disagree politically but love unconditionally. And I think, I believe with all my heart, you can do both. In fact, post that in the chat right now on Church Online. We can disagree politically, but love unconditionally. Now, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I don't want you to throw anything up here on stage. Don't throw anything at your nice TV. I want to ask you a question that maybe for it's never been done, that forces you to face some things that you have never faced before. I'm not going to ask you to change political parties. I just want you to rise above the cultural noise and think with me for a few minutes a little differently with the renewed mind you're supposed to have as a Christian. And the question I want to ask you is this. It's a bold one. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our historical collective Christian faith? Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the lens of your faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics. It's all different in the world, which is what most Christians do. And, we're going to, and that's why we'll talk about next week, as I mentioned earlier, everybody, everybody wants a piece of Jesus. In the U.S., Jesus is a part of every political party. He's like in lockstep, no matter what your thing is. And we'll see next week, you can go lots of places to find something Jesus said or somebody in the Bible said to support your political position. The real issue is this, are you willing, am I willing, to put our political filter behind instead of in front of our faith filter? Are you and I willing to evaluate and reevaluate our politics in light of what Jesus specifically has taught? Now, in case you've been coming for a while or you're brand new online, hundreds of new people checking us out in our largest campus, which is our online campus. But our mission here, our mission as a church, in case you don't know it, is to help people find hope in Jesus, to be his disciples, his followers, not mine, not a political party. So are you willing to follow Jesus? Here's the question posed again, reframe. When following Jesus creates space between you and your political party, between you and your party's platform, between you and your party's candidate. Or are they so interconnected and intertwined that you cannot separate the two? And they don't know if you are a Christian or you are part of that party. And I'm just telling you this because most Christians are not able to do this, especially in the climate that we're in right now. It is so easy to be divided. It's so easy to be defensive and just assume that God and Jesus are in agreement with us. All right. Are we good so far? I think some of y'all praying for me. I like that. Let me just pause for a minute, make sure we're okay. I, I'm, I want to be an equal opportunity offender, okay? So I, maybe, I, maybe I'm doing good. I think it's just time for a video break just to kind of ease some tension in the room, maybe make you smile. However, this video I'm going to show you may make you madder. And I can tell a lot about you, whether you think it's funny or whether it makes you mad. Because I want to show you the perfect example of what I'm talking about so far. Check this out. All right, I love my country very, very much. And in honor of the freedom I get to enjoy every day, I would like to plant a very small, very subtle 
American flag in my yard. Oh, wow, really? An American flag in 2020 with everything that's going on right now? That is just so incredibly tone deaf. You know what? If you're going to put an American flag, I got just the thing. I will put this in my front yard. What do you think about that? Oh, okay, Black Lives Matter, really? I mean, sure, we can all agree that we need to end racism, yes, but the organization, absolutely not. I got just the response for that. If he's gonna put out that sign, I'm gonna put out this sign. Oh, wow, blue light, you know what? That is so, so disrespectful. I mean, sure, he may just value the police force that has taken an oath to protect us even to death, but that is just, I mean, what do you want me to do here? Just understand something from someone else's perspective? Absolutely not. You know what? If he's going to put out that sign, I'm going to put out this sign. Boom. I stand with... You know what? Okay, maybe he's just trying to say that there are a lot of people in this country that are very frustrated with what's going on and they don't feel like their voices are being heard. And I get that. But that is not what this is about. This is yard politics war. All lives matter. Okay. You know what? Uh, that's a very simple phrase, but I have still managed to find a way to be offended about it. If you're going <laughs> to. Oh, say, can you see? This should end this argument once and for all. Oh, okay. A bigger American flag. Really? Uh, in 2020. Listen, if you want to make a political statement, I will make political. Statement. Any functioning adult, really, in 2000, okay, maybe he's just trying to say that he doesn't have particular confidence in either of the candidates. But again, that is not what's important here, okay? Empathy for others, second. Proving a point, first. Okay, Trump, you know what? The insanity of the right that I hear about on CNN has driven me to the radical left, all right? And if he wants to do that, we'll do it. Should I go rainbow flag or should I go Biden? That's the same thing at this point, really, so let's just do this. Oh, oh. Okay, but you know what? The insanity of the left that I hear about on Fox News has driven me to the far right. I bet he's got another sign up. What has he got this morning? Oh, and I angered my neighbor so much that he moved to get away from me. I like that guy. I wish we just would have had a conversation like adults together and we would have realized that we have a lot more in common than we do different. Nah, this is America. How we doing? I want to offend everybody. But can you start to just rise above what's going on and think about what is happening to us? See, it is so easy to be divided right now. And Jesus, this is what's, this is what's so amazing. Why I just have to talk about this. Apparently, Jesus saw this coming. N not the election. Not that part. What Jesus saw coming was the division. Listen to what he said in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. He gathered with his disciples right before someone was going to betray him, when they had communion in that upper room, right before all this was going to go down, right before he's going to go to the cross. The very last words of a, a person before they leave earth are important. Listen to Jesus' last words. We, know, we think the Lord's prayer is our Father which art in heaven. That is the model prayer. But let me read to you 
the real Lord's Prayer. And at the end of it, here's what he prays. Listen to the words. My prayer is not for them alone. Jesus says, Father, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who might that be? That's me and you and any other people that get in relationship with Jesus. That all of them may be one. What is his prayer? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I, I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete what? Unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even, love them, even as you have loved me. Did you notice that the unity Jesus prayed for was not just for us, it was for others. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all those who will believe in me through their message that all of them, all means all, all of them in the first century, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, slave, free, military leaders, soldiers, tax collectors, politicians, zealots, everybody in the 21st century, all means Republicans, Democrats, the privileged, the not so privileged, the independent, the indecisive, the libertarians, the librarians, the just want to make sure you're still awake, the black, the brown, the white, the married, the single, in other words, everybody. Here's the phrase that maybe you could post and memorize. Jesus prayed for us to be one, O-N-E, so that the world might be one, W-O-N. Here's something I want you to think about. I'm trying to get you to think differently. There's a huge difference in the church, in an organization, anything, between unity and union. Jesus didn't pray for us to be in union. Union is everybody thinks the same, talks the same, believes the same, acts the same. No. He prayed for us to have unity. Unity is this divergence, this diversity of opinion, all in the context of unity. See, two cats with their tails tied together, they got union, but they ain't got unity. I can tell you right now, they're fighting, they're crowding each other. That's the way the church is acting right now. Just because somebody doesn't believe what you believe about everything doesn't mean that they're in the Antichrist because they're in the other party. Jesus says, I'm praying that somehow all of them may be one. Why? Because the people outside the faith, they're watching us right now. And this sounds impossible, Jesus' prayer, that they could be one. But Jesus was convinced it could be done, which means we should be convinced. We should be convicted. Then unity happens in this church as well as the big C church, because this is what Jesus prayed for. The biggest threat to our church right now has nothing to do with the outside, has everything to do with the inside. Are we unified or not? There are so many things that divide us. I'm putting out so many fires. I plead with you, let's be unified. Not unionized. There's a whole nother political. Oh, I'll get an email about that. David, our union's bad. Not union, unity. And this does not come naturally, does it? To be unified, to tolerate people in the name of Jesus? And the reason it doesn't come naturally is because we only know what we know. We were raised where we were and by whom we were raised. If you were raised in a family and that votes Republican, my guess is that you got informed about that in your family of origin who got informed by their family of origin. origin. Same thing with Democrat. In fact, you talk to our older people, they're, they, they're, they're just amazed at all the way that we vote today uh, because we're all in mail-in voting ba- you know, ballots and now we punch things. And some of us remember when you went into the poll, you pulled the curtain and they had actual levers 
and you voted for your candidate. And some of us grew in a family, and, and I've heard my, my family talk about, Dave, when I go into, into voting booths, my granddad would say, you just don't pull the little levers, you pull the big lever at the top, because they had this ability to vote all slight, right down the line. Pull the big lever, every Republican got checked. Pull another big lever, every Democrat got checked. He said, we pulled a big lever around here. <laughs> you are still doing that, and I'm asking you to think about why you vote the way you do. Charles Barkley is a black. He's a well-paid former NBA basketball player, TV analyst now. I love Charles Barkley. He says what he thinks. It gets him in trouble. Probably get me in trouble. But Charles Barkley was raised by a wonderful mom in a very low-income Democrat voting family. Back when George H.W. Bush was running for president, Bush number one, Charles was talking to his mom about the upcoming election and told his mom that he was voting for George Bush. His mom was horrified. You cannot, Charles, you can't vote for George Bush. He's a Republican. He's the rich person's president. To which Charles said, Mom, we are the rich people. <laughs> Is that not true? You are a product today, more than you may want to realize if you think about it, about your perspective and your mentality, which came from and what you learned from your family and place of origin. But Jesus says, listen, folks, if you're on my team, you can't sacrifice our unity for anything. We can't let Jesus says anybody, anybody divide us. And to further clarify it, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. And this new command is going to replace all the other commands. And it's really simple. You, you, nobody even needs to write it down, guys. You're to love one another as I have loved you. It's as simple as that. Love one another as I have loved you. And this was a new command, not a new suggestion. This is our marching orders. He was saying to them and us, your primary unity has to be around me and each other. It's not about your unity around candidates or politics or culture or language or race or Bible versions or style of music or masks or sports teams. And Jesus says, if you do this, you put your oneness in me, we're going to change the world. And here's the cool thing. After the resurrection of Jesus, it actually happened. Listen, what changed the world was Jesus people, not politicians, not political parties. After the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles went boldly into the streets of Jerusalem with one purpose, to make disciples of all nations. They went in the streets of Jerusalem with one single man, one single command, to love each other the way that Jesus loved them. And they went with one message, and here was the message. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king who is to come to reverse the old order of things, bring the kingdom of God to earth. And unlike any other king, any other politician on any other throne in any other empire, he laid down his life for us, which no king would ever do. Amen. And that radically changed their life. I still think it could change ours. Listen to what they were accused of in the book of Acts. Paul is going around all these cities preaching that Jesus is the king. It's creating quite a stir. In fact, when Paul went to a city, two things happened. It was either a riot or a revival, and sometimes both. So they're all upset that Paul and his companions are preaching Jesus. And notice the accusation. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come here. And Jesus has, and Jason, who was an early church follower, has welcomed them into his house. Notice the accusation. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. The, the word literally means they were thrown into a tizzy. 
How in the world could they go about saying there is another king called Jesus? Because there is. There was. There will be. So here's the thing. You're all very sharp people, so you know this, but just let me say it anyway. Your political candidate for president will win or lose in coming days by how American citizens vote. But the church's influence will win or lose based on our behavior every single day between now and then. Let me say it again. Your candidate, and by the way, I hope everybody votes. People in our church have died. People have sacrificed to keep our country free on foreign shores. That's what this flag is about. They sacrificed to do that so that we could have the right to vote. Never take that for granted. I hope everybody votes. You can even vote for Kanye West if you think he'd do a good job. I mean, I, I checked out his platform not long ago. It's pretty good. He's a little wacky. Platform, pretty good. But your candidate will win or lose based on how the citizens vote. But the church wins or loses. Our community wins or loses. In some way, our nation will win or lose based on how so-called Christians treat each other and love each other right now and after the election, no matter who wins. You need to be on your best behavior now, but I want you on your best behavior depending on how it's going to go. Whoever wins, that doesn't change your mission. That doesn't change Jesus' prayer. Friends, listen to me. Let me look you and I in this camera and look at you in this room. I appeal to you on behalf of Christ. We must not allow anything or anyone to divide us right now. We can't do it. Because this is exactly what the evil one wants. This is what he's been up to since the Garden of Eden. You are a citizen of the U.S. Praise God for that. I'm a flag waving. Praise God. This country's all whacked out, but it's the greatest country in the world. I'm proud to be a citizen of the U.S. I want you to lean more into your heavenly citizenship. I want you to go with the Jesus party right now. I'm waving that flag. And I believe some of these, man, I got, there's some big issues on the table this year. I know that. But I've just decided I'm not an elephant. I'm not following a donkey. I'm following the lamb. Oh, that's good. That, uh, that sounds like something John Tizovich would say. Anyway, we're going to talk more about this in the third week in particular, but here's why I'm so passionate about this. It was not politicians. It was Christianity, these upside down, unique doctrines and followers of Christianity and Jesus that shaped Western civilization. Almost nobody disagrees with that. Even staunch atheists will agree that it was the message of Christ that shaped Western civilization. It wasn't politics, it wasn't Republicans, it was Democrats, it was Christ followers. It was this teaching of Jesus, not our political parties that laid the groundwork for our modern sense of justice and fairness and the dignity of every single human being. See, our hope, friend, our hope is not in the perfect political party. If you're counting on whoever wins to fix what's wrong in this world, you're going to be hoping and counting on a lot because this never happened and it will never happen. Jesus is the only party that can change somebody's life. The hope and message and teaching of Jesus. And it was he and his followers that changed it all. So why in the world would we fight and opt for something less than that? Throughout our very short history as a nation, and by the way, think about that. I know you think America is all that, and it is. We've only been around a couple hundred years. There's been empires that thought they would last for eons, eras, during our short history as a nation, both political parties and their leaders have failed us often morally and in all kinds of ways. We've had some great leaders. We've had some not so great leaders. And then there's this. We tend to forget. 
During our short history as a nation, several parties just turned the light slam off because their party was over. Don't believe me? Little history lesson. Are there any wigs still around anymore? I'm not talking about the kind you put on bald people's head. Any wigs? How about federalists? Any federalists in the room today or watching online? See, here's what we forget. There were entire political parties in our short history as a nation that were so animate that they were right about certain things, they just faded away. So here's the question. Why would we as followers of an eternal king allow ourselves to be divided by temporary political systems, temporary political leaders, temporary political platforms? Why would we allow ourselves to be divided by lesser kings? That's what I'm saying to you. And especially right now, Why do you allow yourself to be divided and gripped by fear? Jesus often repeated command, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? Because a true king has come. Jesus is still on the throne. I don't care who wins. He's still on the throne. Our mission is the same. Our unity has to be protected. Here's one other thing. Why would you allow any political view to divide you when it might be a view that you may eventually outgrow, a view that you might even abandon. Isn't it true? I wish we were in a small group right now. I would ask this question. Isn't it true that every few years your political views change about a certain thing that you were once so animate in charge that you knew this was right or wrong? Jesus says, look, believe what you want to believe. Passionately campaign for who you want to passionately. Vote for who you want. But don't you dare mistreat somebody made in my image. Why would we allow a political view to divide us from an actual, living, breathing you that Jesus died for? The you beside you today. The you sitting on the couch watching today. The you that lives next door to you, your neighbor. The you that works in the office next to you. Or worst of all, the you that's related to you. Why? Man, keep this in mind as you head into family gatherings in the next few weeks. Please remember this. Politicians are temporary, family is forever. Don't do long-term damage to a relationship you've had for decades because of an argument about a politician you're just going to have for a few years and have another one four years later. Come on, gang. I just say, if we're going to fight, let's fight for the unity our king prayed for. I'm all for fighting a good fight of faith. It was the unity of the church that got the attention of a pagan world, and eventually that empire responsible for crucifying Jesus embraced Jesus. So I want to give you two suggestions, two pieces of homework as we start this journey together. How how am I doing? I'm almost done. Have I made you mad yet? Okay. Number one, I'm asking you to pray what Jesus prayed. Pray just like Jesus prayed this week. I'm just going to have put a short prayer on the screen. I want you to say it with me out loud here in the room. This is God's will for us. Here we go. Pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. All right, say that with me. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. And friend, I'm inviting you to pray that prayer every day this week because when Christians lose their unity, people outside the, fa- outside the church lose their faith. Second bit of homework, and this is going to be scary for you now. I want you to look for an opportunity this week to love unconditionally someone with whom you disagree politically. Love unconditionally someone with whom you disagree politically. 
Some of y'all are like, well, I don't even know anybody I disagree with politically. And there it is. That's a problem. You recognize this, right? That should get your attention. Since I'm, with, since I'm already in the deep water, just let me push you a little bit more. If you don't know or talk to anybody who's different than you, maybe that's why you haven't learned anything new in the last 15 years of your life. That's why you're so darn convinced that you are right. You're living in this little echo chamber of your own little life, and the world is very small for someone who's never been past their own street. So this week, get to know some people different than you, who vote different than you. Ask better questions, and then listen. Like, how do you arrive at your views? Have your views ever shifted? How have you seen your views make the world a better place? Who or what do you, here's a great one, who or what do you value more than politics? And as you participate in our light up the night, you got neighbors that you've been building relationships with, enjoy Halloween with a whole nother goal. I can hear what some of you, I've heard it before, David, I just can't understand how anybody could believe this or that. I just can't understand how someone would vote for that person knowing that's their platform. I get it. There's big issues on the table that I care about too. But whenever you hear that phrase or you say that phrase, you've just made a a confession. There's something I don't understand. Go and understand it. Disagree politically. Love unconditionally. Pray for unity. I'll close with this. Every Sunday, every summer, one of my favorite memories as a child was vacation Bible school. Any of y'all ever grow, grow up in church that had a vacation Bible school? You had songs, you had crafts, you had watered down Kool-Aid, you, you had cookies. Oh, it was great. And one other thing, I love the opening ceremonies of vacation Bible school. It was as close to liturgy as I got in my little church of Christ growing up. Someone would choose to carry the American flag and close behind them, another would carry the Christian flag, and they would march into the little sanctuary, and the piano played Onward Christian Soldiers. We were so proud. The The flag bearers would plant flags on either side of the pulpit, and then we would say the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag. And I still say that. I still love that. I pledge allegiance to the flag. It's wonderful to pledge allegiance to that flag. But then next, and right afterward, we would say our Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag. I didn't realize it back then how important it was. But I memorized it. In our little church, this is how the pledge went. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and in love. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what I'm still pledging. That's what I'm asking you to pledge today. The pledge and the cross on that Christian flag portrayed an ancient truth that no government No emperor, no political party, no candidate, no army can stand above and beyond the crucified and resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what we're pledging. And did you notice that last phrase? One brotherhood. I didn't even know what it meant back then. I know now. One brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and love. Now, I'm all for being patriotic. I'm all for saluting our flag. It represents national loyalty, freedom's purchase through the sacrifice of others. But listen to me. When people sing the star-spangled banner with more passion and enthusiasm than the old rugged cross, we got a problem. You're not just a patriot. You're a Christian. I'm, I'm not as concerned about who's in the White House. I'm more concerned about who finds Jesus through your house, through my house, through the church house. That's the problem. 
So I guess I'm just a fan of waving the Jesus flag right now, folks. I've never seen people more polarized, never seen them more divided, and we are better than that. He's better than that. Because before and after America, there was and there will be the church when all of the experiments of our nation, and our nation is an experiment, when all that's in the dust, Christ and his church will be a certainty and it will last forever. And friend, that's what I want us to be on mission for. Change your thinking about what the devil is doing to us here. And pray for me that I'll continue to make everybody mad. Hey, I'm really glad you're here. Don't forget to get your glow sticks as, as you light up the night. And there's some in the landing. If you're watching online, you can email us. And um, if you're in the new in the room, we have new people coming back. And right over here is the three after. Love to have you there. And, and if there's anything that we can pray for you about, you can do that through, uh, through the website. I encourage you to we'll play some music as we leave. Please be, wait for the usher to come and dismiss you. But remember, friend, as you head out today... Let's disagree politically. Let's love unconditionally. And let's pray for unity. And most importantly, don't miss part two of Talking Points. See you next week.